Hey everyone, it's Colt back again along with Ryan. Howdy. Bringing you another episode of Dynasty In-Depth. We're here to help you win Dynasty Championships. And in order to win Dynasty Championships, you need to have good running backs on your team. Yeah. We all know the good running backs go at the top of the draft, but we're going to do our best to help you find those running backs later in drafts that will take you to the championship. One of the most important things I think that can identify the Kareem Hunts, mm. the uh, Aaron Jones, yeah. the Kamaras, because their stats, let's be honest, weren't great, No, is film. And film needs to be a part of your process. And there's no one better to talk about film than my man, Ryan. <laughs> there's probably a lot of people better. <laughs> <laughs> so I have some questions I'd like to ask you about film breakdown for our listeners if they're uh, watching film for the first time, yeah. some things to look for. What is, What are the most important player traits you look for when watching running back film? Okay, yeah. So I think watching running back film, there's parts of it are tangible and parts of it aren't that tangible. Like eventually when you watch enough running backs, you kind of just, the light bulb is just like, oh, that guy's pretty good. You right. know what I mean? He could be playing for Toledo, like Kareem Hunt, playing against whatever school. But like sometimes you just watch and you're like, I've seen enough running backs, that guy's got some wiggle or something. What but does wiggle mean? Wiggle? Yeah. He can, he can do it. He can make it happen. You see things from him that you don't see from other guys. You know what I mean? No. No. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> well, that these are the this is what I would call not tangible. The okay. tangible things I look for are first of all requisite speed. So okay. the the NFL game is a lot faster than the college game. So I want to see um and this could be pre-combine, but I I want to see that running backs when they break through the line of scrimmage, they're not just constantly being chased down by the secondary and always caught from behind. That makes sense. You'll watch a lot of film where you'll just see guys caught from behind, caught it from behind. I think David Montgomery here, yep. right? There were a lot of things. There were some things we liked about David Montgomery or I liked about him watching his film. But the one thing was just like, man, this dude is caught from behind all the time. Okay. If that happens in college, that's going to happen in the NFL all the time. Instead of a safety catching him, it's going to be a linebacker catching right, him. Right, because they're as fast as... Right, and safety's going to pass him up and then come back and <laughs> jack him up. Um, so I, I really do... There's always going to be outliers to everything, but I really do think you have to have requisite speed. Um, I want to... I know we talked about this last time, but from a statistics point, and I want to see it in the film... I need my running back to catch some passes. So okay. you talked about the magic number being around 20. I agree with that. Uh, the college game's a lot different than the NFL game. 20 catches is actually pretty solid. I also want to just, you know, how does he look catching the ball? Is he, is he a hands catcher, you know, or is yeah. he cradling everything? Is every single, it, did he catch 23 balls, but you watched all 23 and they were two yards away from the quarterback? Anyone could do that. So I want to see what kind of routes is he running. In college, um, I think the offensive coordinators have a lot more freedom sometimes. So you'll see guys on wheel routes. Oh, remember Barkley in the uh, Big Ten Championship oh, yeah. against T.J. Watt running that wheel route? Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, where are they catching the ball down the field? Am I seeing, you know, them catch the ball 10 yards down the field? But I really want to see the guy, you know, catch with his hands, not double catch a lot of things. Is he catching it before he's looking upfield? Does he have those focus drops where, you know, he's looking at the linebacker, the ball hits him in the hands and falls? Okay. So kind of just how natural does he look catching the ball? Um, one of my favorite things about running backs is their contact balance. So this is the idea that as they're making their way through the line of scrimmage, um, 
throw on any game and what you'll notice is the line of scrimmage is a wasteland of fat dudes. Yep. So there's guys all over the ground. There's dudes, you know, throwing the, I mean, these guys are like six, five, each of them. So there's constant arms and legs all over the place. Right. So are, are we looking at a guy that's just kind of making it to the line of scrimmage and you're just seeing him fall over? Sometimes it's not even tackles. He's just not really great at getting through what I call the garbage. Right. There's so much garbage at the line of scrimmage. Um, Last episode, we talked about Jonathan Taylor's absolute elite feat. Um, please, like if you haven't yet, go watch Jonathan Taylor play. Uh, he makes it to the line of scrimmage. His legs keep moving. He high steps at all the right times. And you just see his one cut, and all of a sudden, he's over three guys, and his feet keep moving. And he's not often just falling down and falling into the line of scrimmage. Right, right, um, right. Kareem Hunt was fantastic about that. I remember watching Kareem Hunt games on Toledo, and this wasn't until after he was drafted in the third round by Kansas City. I was like, who is this Kareem Hunt guy? And I watched him play, and I was just like, wow. he take a couple hits, you know, not always arm tackles, but, you know, there's a lot of defenders that aren't arm tackling. So the ability to stay up, keep moving, not fall over, it's just that balance. Okay. It's extremely it's a, important. Is uh, So this is going to sound dirty, but do – Running backs in college see a lot cleaner holes than like in the NFL. <laughs> That's why I said it's going to sound dirty. But ETN, I've watched ETN film, and all of a sudden it looks like the water's part, and he is just yeah, gone. That, that was actually part of my next uh, my next thing. So okay. I think in the Big Ten and the SEC, you'll see a lot tighter holes <laughs> uh, if we're going to continue down this path. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are certain guys – like you said, ETN, if you watch Daryl Henderson play at Memphis, um, Daryl Henderson was electric. But it was hard for me to find games where he was not, I mean, the, the honestly, the hole he was running through was five feet wide. Right, right. And so I want to see, I, I can't just watch those plays. Don't go into YouTube and type in Daryl Henderson highlights. All you're going to see you know, is him running through five foot wide holes. That's not what I want to see. So yes, you are absolutely correct. Um, so you kind of want to see what you're looking at too. There are certain teams that'll block it a lot better than others. Um, I want to watch Jonathan Taylor play against Ohio State. I want to watch him play against Michigan. He's top 40 run defenses, which is something we talked about before their yards per carry and how productive they were against top 40 run defenses because that's the closest thing we can get to an NFL defense. Yeah. And, and what you'll see is when you, if you watch ETN um, or if you watch Daryl Henderson, what you might find is the games where he doesn't have the, uh, you know, five foot wide hole. Right. He's running into the back of his offensive line. Okay. So that's another thing. And I actually saw this that, a little that's bit. That's a negative. <laughs> I would, yes. And I actually, um, and it, not, it's not be all end all. I, I saw a little bit, a little bit of that in Miles Sanders film for Penn State. Okay, yeah. A little bit in Cam Akers film. Um, and like we talked well, he about, was always he had running the worst um, <laughs> offensive line. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's kind of not every running back is going to have the same vision. And I know that analytics are, are really important, but there's no analytic for vision or, no, you know, no, or anything not. like that. So you want to see, do they have the natural feel for the game? And, like I said, there's tangible and intangible, and that probably falls in the intangible. But it becomes tangible when you watch enough. And the and the analytics part of that would say if they have good vision and natural feel for the game, they're going to get good yards per carry. Absolutely, they're going to be a hard, uh, large part of the offense because they're going to get the ball. Yeah. So that should naturally follow, which isn't always the case, though. Yeah. Another thing I like to watch for is when when 
a running back breaks into the second line, so past past the offensive end, past the garbage, as I said earlier. Right. What is their feel for the open field? Um, mm. So you'll see some guys that'll kind of make their way over to the sideline, and eventually a safety will push them out. Right. And then you you'll see guys that are just absolutely dynamic. They see the field. It's almost like the game slows down for them. Jonathan Taylor was like that. Saquon Barkley was like that. Um, a lot of guys like that. But they they're true. What about Swift? Swift. Swift is an interesting case because you'll you'll see a lot because of the SEC defenses. You'll right. see a lot of they're fast. Yes, um, but Swift had had a pretty good feel for the game. Dobbins had a pretty good feel for the game too in the open field. You I think him. your Miles Sanders example is a good one of someone that did not Mm-mm. just very athletic. Miles Sanders was the type of guy that had a little bit of trouble getting through the first line. Um, he needed to bump it outside a lot, and he needed the space. Okay. Um, but yeah, Miles Sanders was a guy where I saw him take it to the sideline a lot. He yeah. ended a lot of runs on his feet out of bounds. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's important too. Um, yeah, I think a lot of Those things are, there. So I think, I, I think some good points you said is if you're first time watching film, I think one thing, you know, we love watching football, but one thing easy to be able to see is after they break through the line or they getting coughed from behind. Yeah. If they're going out and catching passes, how natural do they look? I think that's that's some good starts for people first yeah. watching film to look for. And then, as you said, as you start watching more, especially if you get... Do you have some resources you like to use whenever you watch film? Uh, yeah, you can watch them all 22. Um, and I like watching. It's amazing what you can do on YouTube now. Like I said, don't, don't watch Jonathan Taylor highlights. Um, you know, watch Jonathan Taylor versus Ohio State, and they will show you all 27 carries he had against Ohio State. They'll show you all 30 carries he had against Michigan. You want to watch every carry. You don't want to watch just the highlight carries. Um, I think that's obvious, but not obvious, you know? Right. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, The highlights are going to – they're all going to look good. They're all – every every, Zach Moss will look great in the highlights. How about – do you always hear the old NFL coach is talking about is – I want a player that gets hit in the backfield and still gets three yards. Do we have any sort of running backs in this class that fit that? I feel like Swift is kind of one of those guys, which is why he's being talked about as a first rounder playing against SEC defenses. That line was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we have player? Does that matter to you when you're watching film? Not, I mean, not as much. What, what you will notice is there are guys that can push a pile. Okay. I, you know, regardless of where they are in the field, I, I think of it as like having that knack for the end zone, having the ability to push it forward. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dobbins can push it forward. Swift can push it forward. Akers can make some yards out of nothing, as we've talked about. Um, I wouldn't say that's Taylor's strength, but he has enough strengths where he doesn't generally get caught by the first or second guy. Right. So, Does competition matter on film for running backs? Yeah, for me it one? does. Okay. Sometimes I don't know what I'm watching. Um, you know, I'll be watching you know, San Jose state against whoever the hell. And, and sometimes I just don't know what I'm watching. You know, I'll, I'll some plays will look great and I don't know. I mean, the, but you talked about cream hunt earlier yeah. in Toledo. So yeah. it, it was more the capital that made you go back and watch. Him. Yeah. 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 Kareem hunt was not, was not identified. He was identified for me after the draft. Once okay. Kansas city draft him in the third round. Um, I didn't really have him on my radar and it was kind of one of those. I need to go watch him play. Right. You know, does the line talent affect how you view running backs? Do you see like the, like you said, if there's the wide holes or anything like that? Yeah, it. I mean, it does. Like, like I said, Darrell Dur- Henderson just ran through some monster holes. So I want to see kind of maybe, 
he played some games against UCF or, or what's the best competition he's right. going to play against. And I, I really want to hone in on those games. Um, same with like Wisconsin. I mean, Wisconsin is known as a running team. They've always got the great line. They have a good line. Yeah. And that, and that's fine. But what I take away from watching their film is that their linemen aren't as good as Ohio state's defensive linemen. So right. Wisconsin okay. might get, you know, four star, offensive lineman once in a while but every guy that plays on ohio state's defense is a five-star they're going in the and, nfl draft and early. wisconsin's quarterback is horrible <laughs> yeah. so i know that i know that ohio state knows that they need to stop jonathan taylor to win that game right so i want to see what he performs and they how didn't in the first half no um so i want to see how he performs in that scenario and when you watch that game the big 10 championship from last year i mean you're talking about plays where they're down by 10 points and it's third and eight and and they're handing it the ball directly to jonathan taylor it's yeah. like that offense had no creativity um no so for him to do what he did yeah wisconsin yeah they like to run the ball they've got a good line um but you know i'm not really evaluating him as much against purdue and rutgers as i am against ohio state and michigan who'd be the most agile running back you think is in this class in this class. Yeah. Agile running back in this class. I don't think uh, I've heard it. You were talking about wiggle. Yeah. Uh, I've heard a lot of scouts say Jonathan Taylor doesn't have wiggle, which may be true. Like his, uh, I would say his speed and his feet are elite. Yeah. Yeah. The rest of it wasn't as his three cone. Like it was good, but not great. Yeah. Is there a running back that has that in this class from the film? You know, I would say Clyde Edwards Hilaire is pretty slippery. Okay. Um he's got that really low point of gravity at five seven and a thirty I think he's got a um thirty two BMI at five seven. Yeah. So he's hard to tackle. He's pretty slippery. He's got a great spin move. Um I really did like watching him play. I'm a little torn just evaluating LSU skill players right now, um and how much the like we talked about before, that, how much yeah. I value you know, how great that offense was. Um you know, I, I think that I think that Swift and Acres remind me of each other a lot. Okay. To watch them on film. Um and Dobbins is like a little meatball man. He's he can do it all. <laughs> He's strong, he can catch the ball. I really like him. Um, a little smaller than I thought he was gonna be. Yeah. But he just he plays like a little bowling ball. You know what I mean? There's yeah, there's not yeah. a ton of finesse to his game. Hmm. So I would say from a straight agility point, I I'd say Clyde Edwards Hilaire is definitely the most slippery. That makes sense. That makes sense, especially from a lot of the things we heard. So I hope that helps you whenever you go to watch the film of these players a little bit. And we could always uh, answer more questions on Twitter or yeah. email or anything. Yeah, tweet so, at me about the film stuff, yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and reach out. We want to continue on to the bottom half, what I'm calling the bottom, because we have the big five. Really, we have Taylor. We established before top running back next to bottom two. And I think we both agree there is a drop off after that. Yeah. Barring draft capital landing spot. Absolutely. Something happening we're not expecting. So in this, I don't know, I have a maybe 20, 30, not, not 30, maybe 15 bottom half running backs. And there's still some tiers within that, but from running back six on, who has the most upside to you? We're talking straight upside. Straight upside. Is this upside based on investment or is this just just, just based simple? on prospect? Okay. I I think like you said there's a huge tier gap between RB5 and RB6. Yes. Um So I think the first 5 RBs are going to go in the top 
seven, eight spots of your rookie draft, and I really think there's going to be another seven spots until the next one gets taken. I'm going to shoot for the moon. I think upside-wise, if Antonio Gibson can fall in the right space, yeah, I really liked watching him on film. Um, another Memphis guy. It just... Six foot two twenty eight and a four three nine forty. Good God! I mean, he yeah ninety ninth percentile speed. Um, he had seventy one touches, thirty three rushes, and thirty eight receptions, and he turned that into eleven hundred yards. Just in like twelve touchdowns or fourteen touchdowns. Yeah, or something he had insane. he had twelve total touchdowns. Um, yeah, what? But I think if Antonio Gibson can get when we just talk about straight upside. I think if Antonio Gibson can surprise and get fourth round capital and end up somewhere interesting, right. I really think he could be just a d- dynamic change of pace guy. I'm not sure that I see him being an every down guy, but just straight upside. Um, I- I'm fascinated by him after watching him, quite frankly. That, he, he's an athlete. Yeah, he tested with the wide receivers. He tested with the running backs. I mean, he just he and he's played good. all over. Four three nine at two twenty eight. Yeah, that, that's that's insane. I actually I had shocker. I had Gibson. Man, oh, you had him too. Yeah, I had him as my we did not uh, high play upside. That. Uh, his <laughs> oh, and he re- and he returned kicks too. I mean, which helps. He played his, all over. Yeah, yeah, he's just he's just a dude. He plays football. He had eleven point two yards mm-hmm. per carry, which is just insane. I mean, his market share wasn't huge at Memphis, but this is the type of people they bring in, and we saw it with uh, the Dallas, who uh, Tony Pollard, Tony Pollard last, last year. year. Yeah, yeah, I mean that was a. Uh, he got a lot of preseason hype, and I, I think it was whenever we saw him in there, he was good. Yeah, different landing spot. I think he, he could be, be a lot different. Yeah, so I think, I think as you said, the upside, pure upside based on the prospect mm-hmm. and abilities, Antonio Gibson has to, be, has to be the highest. So who do you think is most likely to land a starting role day one out of this bottom bottom half of the group yeah i don't love it but i at this point i have to so the nfl draft is one of the only times of the whole year where coaches and gms tell the truth right right 99 percent of the year it's bs uh it's deception and lies but the nfl draft is where they tell the truth and from what i've seen everybody is bringing zach moss in um so i think he is most likely to land a starting role I don't love it, quite frankly, but I could see it. Just, I mean, especially if yeah, they're gonna wait, they like as, that. if they're gonna wait till the end of the third, early fourth, and you know, I think some teams are figuring out that running back doesn't really matter in the true NFL. So, I got Zach Moss here. Unexcitedly, I also have Zach Moss. He is PFF's top running back because of force missed tackles. I don't really like him as a fantasy prospect. Mm-hmm. I think even if he goes, man. I don't know where he'd have to go second round for me to be mild in mildly interested in him. I think, yeah. like if he's a fourth round back, even. But I agree with you. I think there's he has the most chance. He injured his knee getting out of bed. His uh, junior. <laughs> We've all been there, right? <laughs> his junior year and missed the rest of the year. And he's uh, a senior, by the way. He's a senior. He had other injuries. He had soldier shoulder injuries uh he had a slow 40 time but supposedly is because he injured his hamstring during the uh vertical jump okay well if you can't jump then well, you know if you get if hurt yourself jumping, jumping yeah I, that's why i'm not too high on him but i agree with you reading the tea leaves as they say he's had interviews with all the teams um was very productive very productive at utah 
but the rest of his profile being a senior, his athletic profile, his injury history, I'm not very high on him, but from what it sounds like, he seems like the type of player that would end up with a starting role. And yeah. We'd all be like, oh, great. So which running back do you think will be most productive year one out of these bottom? Is it is it just Zach Moss? Because No, I don't think so. Okay. Not for me. Okay. I've got Keyshawn Vaughn here. I think nice. he's he's older. Um, I think he's he's been productive in the SEC. Um, he'll be 23 when the season starts, which isn't great. But he's played a lot of football. He's got good yep. size, uh, good enough speed, caught some passes. I think he's just an all-around kind of solid guy. So I think he could be kind of out of the gate most productive not saying you know uh, i'm more excited about right, him right. than other players but I, I could see him being kind of out of the gate in the right scenario i could see him being semi-productive okay i actually had someone different for once which is nice compared to the rest of the running backs we talked about i had eno benjamin he tested very well i think better than a lot of people expected and came in at 207 I remember at the Senior Bowl, uh, he weighed in at 195, so he must have took the biggest deuce afterwards <laughs> after his weigh-in here. I have no idea. But he had a massive market share yeah. in college. His efficiency went down his junior year, but that offense at Arizona State was a lot worse without Enkeel Harry. Uh, he caught 45 passes last year, and he was uh, 14% of the total offensive passes, so he had the market share and 45 passes caught. I think he could immediately fit in as a third down back. So that first year productivity, I think, besides the elite running backs, a lot of times it's just getting on the field and getting some production. I think he has that third down plus potential. He is a 59th percentile BMI plus agility. Production size and athleticism is very similar to me to Giovanni Bernard whenever he came out. And, you know, Giovanni Bernard never hit that. He was a hot running back here and there, off and on. He never hit true three-down back role, but running back injuries are so prevalent in the NFL. There's always a chance he could become a full three-down back for a short time period in the NFL. And if he has the third-down role, he has the abilities to be able to be a full three-down back, I believe. So I had Eno Benjamin as my – who I think will be the most productive year one. Obviously, as we talked about before, it'll be – draft capital dependent but i think his size athleticism skill sets good enough to have a role in the nfl yeah player profiler has him uh compared to duke johnson which i think makes a lot of sense so yeah. if he can get the same draft capital as duke johnson somewhere third round wheels up yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely especially after that tier like you said dude, you're gonna have that tier and then you're gonna have wide receivers you're gonna want to get and then some of these running backs you want to take a chance on So any player that you think could surprise with draft capital, someone you think that will go higher than what we're all thinking, besides the running backs we talked about, you can't use Zach Moss. Antonio Gibson, then. Antonio Gibson. I'm saying Antonio Gibson goes in the fourth round. um, That would be a surprise. Which is a surprise based on his profile. Um, Tony Pollard, 2020. And, um, yeah. I mean, I, I will be surprised when Zach Moss gets day two capital. Yeah. But that's not a surprise <laughs> right, right, compared right. to what we're seeing. Absolutely. Um, you know, there have been plenty of slow running backs drafted in the third round, Montgomery and Singletary, et cetera. So, you know, yeah. I won't be surprised when Zach Moss goes in the third round. But I'm pulling for Gibson to get fourth round capital. I'm 
putting this on the board right now. I'm looking at my rankings, RB6 through 10. Right now I have Gibson at 10. If Gibson gets fourth round, I could see moving him up three spots from there. Okay. So I actually have A.J. Dillon. Yeah. All we ever hear about, and we actually talked about a little Mm -hmm. bit, is that the combine doesn't matter. Teams see all they need to see on film. If A.J. Dillon goes in the third round, we'll know these are lies. Yeah. Because he was not on the radar at all until he tested at the combine, and he tore apart the combine with a 4.53 at 247. 97th percentile speed score, 97th percentile burst score. Obviously, he's a strong dude on the bench press. He was super productive at Boston College. Market share for uh, rushing market share, huge. Not much of a receiver, but I feel like especially after what Derrick Henry did last year, and we all saw it throughout the end of the season, the playoffs, and GM saw it, and everyone mm-hmm. saw it. This dude is like, athletic-wise, Derrick Henry light. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I, my next bullet on here is I'll be interested to see where DJ, uh, I'm AJ, sorry, Dillon. AJ Dillon goes. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, he's three inches shorter than Derrick Henry. He weighs the same amount. And... You know, man, I'll tell you this, Boston College, I I ended up going, this is one of those situations where I knew who A.J. Dillon was. Right. I saw what he did at the Combine, then I said, I got to go watch this guy. And it all shows up on film. He does not get caught from behind from secondary. Um, The burst, and I wanted to talk about burst when we talked about film, the burst is evident in his ability to all of a sudden, so, so running back, you know, this is obvious, but a running back gets a handoff. His ability to all of a sudden be in the second in the second uh, tier, right? Past second the, level, yeah. yeah. I mean, the that's linebacker burst. level. That's his ability, the broad jump. That's his ability to move forward as fast as possible and kind of like a, a leaping type motion. Because you're not running five steps through a hole. You need no. to get through that hole in like two or three steps. Exactly. And and I was actually really impressed by watching him play. And ta- his target share was six percent, which is actually, I think maybe. Two percent higher than Derrick Henry. Not that that matters, but like Boston right. College doesn't throw the ball to their running backs. No, it's like an old school offense. I'm not saying I didn't see. Obviously, he only caught 13 balls last year, so I didn't see him catch. A, it was hard to evaluate, but at the same time, I'm not not saying that he can't catch the ball. I mean, 1600 yards, 15 touchdowns, and he was their offense. He's a junior. Yeah, he's a junior. He's kind of, he has all of those things that, and like I said, ever he had fourteen touchdowns and sixteen hundred yards as a freshman. At you know, true he's, freshman. He's he, a he's a man. First of a, all, he's a man. A lot of people were saying, well, maybe he could play fullback. And then I think when he tested, it's like, no, yeah. this dude isn't a fullback. Best comparable to Stephen Jackson, which I love on PlayerProfiler.com. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I see the Stephen Jackson comparison. Stephen Jackson was super agile. Uh, AJ Dillon. Seems, we don't know what his agility is. Yeah, that's true. He didn't yeah. test, but AJ Dillon really seems like a uh, straight ahead, plow him over type runner that can once he breaks through, he's gone. Similar to Derrick Henry. Where do you think he goes in the draft? Does he get fourth round? I think he gets. Yeah, I think he gets fourth. I, round. You know what I do too. I, at first, I was like, no, no, but then I thought like last year, Benny Snell got fourth round. Yeah, and Benny Snell isn't. I feel 5% like some, of the athletes. Some that, team has to fall in love with him, especially yeah. after that combine. And then, like I said, we'll know it's lies because, oh, combine doesn't matter well when you come out and do that. And it is tough. I mean, Boston College, 
isn't playing the best no. schools. So uh, it, I I thought it was good to I thought it was good to see. He definitely jumped up some draft boards. I think based on that performance, I could see him uh, all of a sudden. I could see him being a late second round, early third round pick in rookie drafts. Yeah. I'm I'm very interested by him all of a sudden. So he is a he's a different running back than the rest of them. You look down, I yeah. look at stats and I look at numbers, and you look down through and you're like, whoa, wait a second, who's that? Dude, six foot two forty seven. Yep, not normal. Hunk of man. Hunk. <laughs> he's a hunk of man. So some of the running backs we didn't get to. Uh, we talked Zach Moss, you know Benjamin, Keyshawn Vaughn, a lot of the players you hear about. Watch film, look at the numbers. I would it's so much of these type of players is gonna depend on draft capital and yeah, landing spots. Well give me your give me your RB six through ten. Uh I don't know if I have a I they're pretty much this Zach is- Moss, Eno Benjamin, Vaughn, McFarlane, Dylan. And Gibson are kind of all in a tier for me. <clears throat> Got to see where they end up. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think they're all in the. I I I lean more towards Eno at the top of that. Eno and Moss are pretty close. I, I mean, from everything we heard, Eno or Moss is going to be higher drafted. So I guess I would have him above. I really do like Eno Benjamin. I know a lot of people are down on him, but he tested well. His his everything looks good, and. What what do you think about someone I didn't have on the list was Anthony McFarland. I I need to see more, but you know, nothing in his profile tells me that I need to really super pay attention to him. I yeah. I haven't seen him play, let's put it that way. At this point I haven't seen him. There, there, here's here's my other thing, like there's a big group of guys and Anthony uh McFarland falls into that. I don't really I don't want to say waste my time. I don't spend my right. time watching their film until they get that fourth round capital to okay. a good spot. And then I'm like, Whoa, I got to see, I got to see if this guy's worth investing in, but yeah. there's just certain guys where I'm just like, I, I, I'll just wait and see what the NFL thinks of them first. Um, and Anthony McFarland definitely falls into that for me. Yeah. It get, he, he competed against Javon league, which I guess I like McFarland better than, than league, but yeah, both of them, you know, Joshua Kelly, he he didn't catch much. No. Especially his senior year. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying he, this right, but Salvin Ahmed. Yeah. His he was supposed to was blaze, and then yeah. he didn't do anything, so that was kind of disappointing. Darrington Evans out of Appalachian State. Yeah. He did really well at the Combine, but it's Appalachian State, so I don't know. You don't put a lot of stock in the smaller. He'd be like one of undrafted type players that you keep your eye on if he ends up in a good spot, kind of like a Boston Scott or something like that. You yeah. look for these athletic running backs that you keep on your waiver wire tabs. Appalachian after. State, if I lose a, a dynasty fantasy football championship because Darrington Evans turns <laughs> into the next Ladanian Tomlinson or whatever, like uh, I'm good with that. Yeah, I can sleep at night with that. We don't expect that to happen. Do you have the same uh, – Six through six through ten, Moss, Benjamin, Vaughn. Yeah, my my NFL, the NFL GM mind in me says based on what I'm reading and what I'm seeing, I've got Benjamin six, Vaughn seven, Moss eight, Dylan nine, and Gibson ten. And and Gibson for me is like he's the true, just a wild card. He's definitely not ranked at RB ten, but I like him that much. But you know, D 
deep down inside at this point, not seeing draft capital, I really want to move Dylan and Gibson over Moss. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, we got to see how that part shakes out. And that's what it's going to work with lower tier yeah. players. You kind of got to see what the NFL thinks of them because that's, like we said, that's when GMs and coaches are telling the truth for once. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if Dylan and Gibson and Moss are all fourth round picks. Yeah, Moss is RB3 in that category. Yeah, you got to you got to look at the athleticism and the upside and the production, which Moss, well, I'm at Benjamin. Yep. E- either one. Any of them, yep. E- both of those would probably be below Dylan and... And Gibson, if they all got fourth round, fourth round capital, and GMs and coaches, they they just love draft capital. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like even if they didn't take the guy in the second round, that guy has like nine lives. I mean, like look at it. Like look at the all those first round wide receiver busts. Like you're gonna see Laquan Treadwell and Philip Dorsett Still in the league. They're gonna be in the league forever. And Kevin guys, White got a chance Kevin last White year and, on the yeah, Cardinals. Yeah, he cried. And, and then you got guys like Justin Watson or whatever, the more athletic guys that came from small schools and they've got fifth or sixth round draft capital and they literally can't get a job because these coaches and GMs are just so in love with draft capital, even if they weren't the ones that evaluated and drafted them. Yeah. There's, it's a lot of stale minds Might out there. Might be a little bit different with running backs, though. Yeah. From what we've seen, I mean, we saw in the Super Bowl two, two undrafted, yeah. undrafted running backs in the Super Bowl yep. starting. So hopefully, so we want to follow the athleticism. We want to follow the film and more, most importantly, landing spot and draft capital. Yeah. And for me, the constructing my dynasty roster, I I want to hoard them too, all of them. You know what I mean? You're a running back hoarder. Yeah, I am. I'll take chances on filling my roster with. Versus the bottom end running back or wide receivers. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. I want injuries are much more prevalent. So a lot of these that we talked about, AJ Dillon. Some of these players could be an injury away from being starters Yep. Yeah. at some point next year. So anyone else you want to talk about from this bottom group of running backs? No, no. I, th- I think I need to see you know where some of them land Absolutely. And, and, and see what, what the NFL thinks about them first. Once we get landing spots, we'll come back and review, go over these running backs again. I, I would be surprised if the top five tier, the top five running back tier changed. I'd yeah. be very surprised. Me too. Uh, but this bottom could bottom tier could definitely change. One of them could jump up, maybe into it. I don't know. I would would if what would any of them do you think would jump up into the second tier with let's say let's say Acres or Clyde Edwards Hilaire end up with third round capital and one of these other running backs do too. Yeah, I mean like if Moss goes at the end of the second to Kansas City, right, and then Hilaire goes in the third to Miami. My gut still says to take CEH, but it's it's hard. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, because I mean, the offense matters a lot. Yeah. Um. So those are the internal struggles that will help you work through. It's kind of like a therapy session with it running is. backs. It is. It is. We'll try to help you get there. <laughs> help you feel better about your selections. Well, thanks for tuning in to episode eleven of Dynasty in Depth, where we're just trying to help you get to your dynasty championships. It seems like it's a long way away, but it'll be here before you know it. The draft will be here before you know it. We just got through the combine, and this is very exciting, very exciting time in dynasty. So, Ryan, if they want to follow you on Twitter, I think they can now. Yeah, you got to figure out how this old Twitter thing works. You you kids and your Twitter, but uh, You're, you're tweeting in your Twitter, and yeah. I'm Dynasty underscore Ryan. All right. And I'm at Dynasty in Depth. You can listen to our podcast pretty much anywhere a podcast can be found, Dynasty in Depth. 
Our website is still under construction. Unfortunately, as the main web designer, I am not very good at it, and I'm still trying to figure stuff out, but we'll try to get some content out there for you. But in the meantime, you can, of course, listen to our podcasts, and we appreciate you tuning in. All right. Thanks for listening. I love the way this beer smells. That smell good. It smells so German. Maybe we'll talk about it on this episode. This is all going to be you. What is? The beginning of this episode. Well, you're not going to talk about anything? It's running back film breakdown. You don't watch any running back film? Yeah, but you're the you're going to be leading it. I mean, right. I'll ask you the questions and then you'll be leading it. <clears throat> Let's do it. All right. Uh, luckily, I had someone different on this one. I have <laughs> Eno Benjamin. Yeah. He actually tested very well, a lot better than we expected. Pause here, please. Pause here for a commercial <laughs> break. Harry's Razors. Harry's Razors. Bow. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> in it now. It's going nice. in the outtakes.